after last week. I hope it won't be a one-off thing, but it'll be a matter of conscience to us about uh, keeping time. May I, may I illustrate from this morning so that you understand that there's a knock-on effect. We don't have a key for the office there. And so that means waiting. And there are certain delays, aren't there? So we wanted to sing that Swahili hymn, especially to make sure there were no mistakes. There were no mistakes in it? Was it okay? But that means it's now five to ten. But haven't Sunday school teachers prepared lessons? Don't you think? And they prepared them. I mean, not just me. I'm talking about the others. They prepared them for a certain amount of time. So either they go over time or they're now pushed, aren't they? And if they go over time, then they're children. Parents don't have enough time to prepare their children for the service. They're either hurrying, in which case, it's 11, they're just about sinking into their chairs, or they're late. You, you get my point? One thing right down here actually has what we call a domino effect. It, it affects the future, and it can affect a lot. So, I think enough said then on that, isn't it? <laughs> we, we, we've got to be conscious, not legalistic or anything like that, but the Lord knows when we have reason, doesn't he? But I think so often we don't have reason. It's just thoughtlessness or carelessness. So, this morning, we want to look at the subject, as I told you, when I have my next opportunity, I want to deal with time uh, more uh, generally. There's a very good book here, if you ever get hold of it, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And this is what he writes under time. He says, at the heart of a disciplined spiritual life is the discipline of time. And that's what he says. You don't have to agree with it, but he's trying to emphasize to us that if you're going to live a disciplined, a useful, a godly Christian life, one very, very important thing is that you learn to discipline your time. You learn to use time wisely. There's nobody who had a more busy life than our Lord Jesus Christ. You've only got to read Mark chapter 1, which seems to be Mark's telling us a day in the life of Jesus, the, the last half of the chapter. And it was busy from morning till evening. Then he had to withdraw. But at the end of his life, what does the Lord Jesus say? He says, 
I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Wonderful to be able to look back on yesterday or the last week or the whole of our lives up to this point and to say, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's John 17, verse 4. Jesus obviously did two things. He put, as we say, he put first things first. Because I think that's a very great problem, that we put second things first. He put first things first, and he, he worked to the point of exhaustion. Isn't he? Was he not asleep in the boat? Anybody else would have been wide awake with the storm, but he was fast asleep. So these two things are very, very, very important. So we've got the example of our Lord Jesus. Then we have the example of Paul. Turn to Acts 20, 24. It's one of the most challenging Statements for our lives. Acts 20, 24. Paul is passing by Ephesus. He's talking to the elders. He's talking about his life. In fact, he's talking about his future life. Somebody read. Please, verse 24. So what's his goal? What's his aim? Yeah, to finish the race, the course, to walk along the path that God has planned for him. That's the only thing he's interested in, isn't he? He's not interested in long life, not interested in retirement, not interested in riches. If only I might do what God wants me to do. So now here, I think one encouraging thing for us. Talking about time. Has God given us enough time to do what he wants? Are you sure? We don't act like that very often, do we? We say we've got too much to do. We've never got too much to do. If God has given us enough time, because he doesn't expect us to do 25 hours of responsibility in 24, does he? He doesn't. He's not. The Lord can't possibly like that. We have enough time to do what he wants us to do. I think that's both encouraging and, and very challenging. It's encouraging that God is not a, a pharaoh as a taskmaster. But it's challenging, isn't it? We, we shouldn't be complaining, should we? Not, I've got too much to do. It's, Lord, give me wisdom to know what to do. 
in the time and what not to do. So let's ask this, please. Uh, what does God want us to do with our time? Can you give me a few things? Very general thing. What are our God-given works? Anybody, everybody. How are we going to live our lives? How are we going to use our time? Could you give me some duties which really are true of everybody? Of course, that's not true of everybody, is it? Yeah. That's too, that's too specific. I want something much. What's the most general principle that structures our life? That's not the most general, is it? Okay. All right. That's, that's good. Fear, fear the Lord. Uh, that's all right. So we usually say, don't we, to glorify God. But that's fine. That's, that's the same, basically. No, we've got to start there, haven't we? The whole of our lives, isn't it? 24 hours, 365 days, 70 years or 80. The whole purpose of life is to glorify God to, by fearing him. Let's not unpack that now. Is that true now? True, eh? doesn't matter what you're doing. Eating? Because that's what 1 Corinthians 10 says, isn't it? Whether we eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. So that's a very big thing. Okay? All right? Work. Doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? Work, how many days? Six days. Not even five. <laughs> Work six days. At your particular responsibility. As a mother in the home. As an office worker. Factory worker. Uh, on the farm. Uh, as a student. As a past it's slightly different because we have have to work on seventh day but my point is not that now my point is that we are now to work and of course work hard isn't it work productively give ourselves that's true of everybody isn't it is there anybody who shouldn't work at one thing or another I'm saying this is general. So you have to ask yourself, what productivity do you have for six days? You may say, well, I don't have a job. So what? You don't have a paid job. Okay, so what's the other implication then? What's the next statement? If we work six days, then what's the next statement? Yeah. <laughs> then there's uh, the Sabbath. 
What does the word Sabbath mean? Rest. It means rest from that work. Right? Because even God, when he rested, he still worked. Is it not true? Didn't Jesus say that? My father is working still, he said. So it's rest from the work of the six days. It's a Sabbath to worship. Surely that's one of the very basic biblical principles for the use of our time. Isn't it? The fourth commandment. The trouble is, we come, many come to the fourth commandment, it simply becomes a controversy. Isn't it? And so we just, I say we, then the whole point of the commandment is just sidestep. But here is the pattern of life, it's based on creation based on some Jewish thing, based upon God making the world in six days and resting on the seventh from that work of creation. It's not my purpose to develop that. I'm just telling you that that's what the Bible says about our use of time. So we work hard. If any man will not work, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And for some of you, you need to look at and see how you, how you use your time. As I say, those of you who don't have a paid job, or those of you who are in self-employment, where you're not having somebody watching over you. Okay? This doesn't mean working for money. It depends what Gifts, opportunities, the Lord wants you to pursue. Isn't it? There are so many people who use their lives simply to help other people without any pay whatsoever. In fact, if they stop, the world might even come to a halt. There's far more than we realize. I'm not quite sure of today, but in hospitals, in Britain, there are so many people, women especially, who do voluntary work. If they didn't do it, then hospitals would, would close. Except what it used to be. Any, any, any questions? Yeah? It's not difficult, is it, to know how to use our time, is it really? Basically. Yes, sir. I do appreciate, but I thought I said that maybe I didn't say it clearly enough then. I thought I said if, if you're at home, didn't I? Looking after the family, looking after the, the home, the children. You're in self-employment. You're a student. 
whatever it is that's your particular work. And it may not be paid employment. In fact, I thought I emphasized so much the, the importance of uh, voluntary work. But please, I, it needs to be emphasized. I, I, I agree entirely. What does looking after the family involve? Maybe taking the children to a park on a Saturday afternoon uh, or going to visit grandma. On a Saturday. That's responsibility, isn't it? That's bringing up of, of children. Well, thank you. Okay. This writer, Whitney, he actually wrote this section on time, having looked at Jonathan Edwards. For those of you who would like to read it, there's a sermon of Edwards, Jonathan Edwards. He lived around 1750. That's 250 years ago. He has a sermon on the preciousness of time. So all you have to do is Google Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. and the preciousness of time. And of course, he was a man who accomplished an incredible amount. Probably, say, probably the greatest theologian who lived in, ever lived in America. Perhaps, what some people say. Two great big volumes of his work. They are sermons. They are very deep theological treatises. And yet, he was a preacher. He was a pastor. He knew the revival of God the same time as George Whitfield. The point is he accomplished so much and he died when he was 50-something. He uh, died of a smallpox injection, actually. When he seemed to be in the most useful stage of his life, he's just gone to be the president, I think, of Princeton College. I hope I got it right. I got it right? So if any man can tell us about the pressure of time, he, he can. So I can recommend that to you. Google that in. He actually was a man of resolutions. The little booklet I've got here. He's got 70 resolutions uh, that he, he made. <clears throat> Here's one. Resolved. That I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. So here he is. He's on his deathbed, and he's looking back over his life. 
hopefully with no regrets. He says, I want to die with no regrets for the way that I've lived. So that's what he resolved. That perhaps every day I'm going to imagine it's my last. Okay, so what I'd like to do is to give you time doesn't <laughs> and realized what I was saying. <laughs> Time waits for no man. Eh? It's true. Eh? Even I have to be careful how I use for you the 50 minutes, don't I? Okay, anyway, uh, it's not easy to fit this in one session, but he has 10 principles, which he takes from Edwards, I put them into six. We'll have to be fairly quick, because at the end, the last ten minutes, I want us to ask, how can we do this? So, first of all, why have we got to be disciplined in our use of time? It's first of all, because the days are evil. Of course, there you have Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, and Colossians 4 and verse 5. And certainly, what that includes when it says the days are evil, it's not easy to discipline our time. There is an evil in in the world. The world is opposed to us. We're like somebody going upstream. Here's a river moving really fast, and we're trying to go the other way. We want to use our time, but we find the world and the flesh, our indwelling sin, and the devil are all pushing us that way when we want to go the opposite direction. So, our environment is evil. And so it needs discipline then, doesn't it? Look at Ephesians 5 then. Hope you found it. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Okay, we, we've got to be careful. Just don't get up in the morning and just go through the day without thought. Otherwise, the current of the world will just carry us in a way <coughs> we shouldn't go. We need wisdom, don't we? Don't be foolish. That means don't be thoughtless, people. And the point is, make the best use of the time. So, in terms of what God wants us to do, what's the best use of the time then? Hmm? How can you say, I've made best use of the time? By... 
Sorry. By glorifying God. Has it glorified God? We haven't unpacked that. It means, has it been <coughs> done according to his will in the Bible? Have I done it joyfully? Okay. And then, secondly, have I, have I worked? Have I fulfilled my responsibility that God has given me? Whether husband, wife, child, teacher, uh, secretary, uh, CEO, pastor, right? refugee, if I may feel to some others we have here, right? Have I fulfilled my responsibilities in those particular Have I used the seventh day? Wisdom then, isn't it? Making the best use of time because the days are evil. <clears throat> the reality is, my brethren, that it's too easy to waste time, isn't it? Tell me, come on, tell me honestly now how we waste time. How do we waste time? Hmm? Sorry, mate. Again. Sorry. TV. TV. Is it true? How can you determine whether it's right or wrong to watch TV? By what you watch and how you're going to determine whether what you watch you should watch. Okay, that's one thing, isn't it? That's a negative. That's quite right, isn't it? Is it making me neglect something that I ought to be doing? That's very good. But is it profitable? Does it glorify God? And those are big questions. I'm not giving you the answers, okay? You're never going to hear in the church, you can watch this program, but you can't watch that program. We're not like that. You've got to make the decision yourself. And for some people, it means no TV, doesn't it? And if it's a real snare to you, kick it out. Okay? What else? Social media. It's true, though, isn't it? The, uh, all the various things we have, we have so much. Today, the world's changed, and we have the world at our fingertips. Isn't it incredible? I'm sitting there at my desk, and I'm corresponding with somebody in Ifo, another person in Takana, another one in Rendili, another one in America, while I'm doing something else. Isn't that what you do? We, we do it, don't we? It's wonderful, isn't it? But we've got to discipline how you do So you've got to ask it profitable. Isn't it? Am I serving the Lord? Am I encouraging, building up the people I'm on social media with? Is that fair? If when I talk with you face to face, I'm to give you edifying words, then surely I'm to do that on social media, aren't I? My chance to talk about the Facebook and so on right now. Good. 
What about uh, hanging out, young people hanging out? Do you still hang out? Or do young people still do that? <clears throat> not wrong. Not wrong. It's what you do when you hang out. And it's whether, as our sisters said, whether you are failing in other responsibilities. Often people get late for something because they're hanging out, don't they? Idle talk. Just talking. You have got nothing particularly just talk. That's very dangerous, isn't it? Okay, we don't have time to keep going there. Um, secondly, you can write down Colossians 4, 5 and look at it. Redeem the time, it says, doesn't it? Redeem the time. Number two. Is that true? Is that just scare tactics? Or is it true? It is true, isn't it? I mean, one day will be our last day. So, Edward's resolution that I want to, to live with no regrets for how I live is so important. So, the question we've got to ask is this. If today was your last day, would you have regret the way you used your time? And if you would, may God help you to change. Okay, number three. Time is short. getting a bit hard to believe that this might be my last adult Sunday school ever. Because I'm not down to do it again. So, 40 years is gone. It's gone, as we say, like the, like the wind. You, you reach middle age and old age very fast. Okay. So I think I'm well placed to say that to you. Proverbs, no, sorry, um, James, James 4.14. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's our weather right now, isn't it? You, early in the morning, it's bright. Then all of a sudden, the clouds come. And all of a sudden, clouds are gone. The Bible says your life just like that. So here's, in the context, people who have got fantastic business plans. They're going to go and make a lot of money. Oh, wait a minute. You know, you think you've got all those days. Life is so, so short. Okay. You can just write down here, Proverbs 27, 1, I'm sorry. That was there also. Life is short. Compared to eternity, my friend, 70 years is very short. And we need to do now what God wants us to do. So number four, time 
is easily lost. Is that phrase, do you know it? Procrastination is the, the thief. It steals time away from you. Procrastination means tomorrow. Not a good time right now. Next week. Later. I think some Europeans have the phrase manana, the Spanish phrase manana. What does the Bible say about the sluggard? Oh, there's a lion in the street. Little folding of the hands, a little rest, and poverty comes. You can read that in Proverbs 26. So you've got the sluggard, haven't you? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. So it's so easy to lose time, to lose an hour, to lose a day. And yet if God has given it to us, well, it's number six, we'll get there, I'll complete that sentence. Number five then, time lost cannot be regained. Something can be regained. Your business can go down and then you can regain your business. Uh, Job had everything taken from him, but at the end he was twice as rich as he was before. But time, no. You can't get time back, can you? When it's gone, it's gone. Many of us, we look back, don't we, at wasted time. And we regret it. You can't get it back. Thank God that there's forgiveness. There is forgiveness for you. Don't go away, please, just feeling absolutely hopeless. But if you want to be forgiven, what it means is that you don't want to waste time from now on, isn't it? And so Philippians 3.14 says, forget what lies behind. And with your eyes open now, you strain forward to what lies ahead. And it's so important that you use your time maximum for the Lord. Then the last one I have is this. Uh, I am accountable to God. Sorry, hard for my time. If I'm accountable for every careless word, surely I'm accountable for every careless hour. Look at Hebrews 5.12. I thought this was a very perceptive comment here. Hebrews 5.12. For, by, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
you need someone to teach you again. So, for the Hebrews, the passage of time ought to have meant that they had reached a certain stage of now becoming teachers, but they weren't. So they had wasted the time, didn't they? They had not used those years well enough in order to become the teachers of others that God wanted them to be. By the way, every Christian, every Christian should grow to be a teacher. That passage here, you've got Romans 15, 14. Didn't mean behind the pulpit, but you should be learning so at least on a one-to-one basis, you can instruct younger people in the faith. And yet, so many Christians are just content just to live their own individual life. All right, so then we've got some minutes now. Those are the six. I want to ask, how are we going to do it? You are you're very somber, and that's good. We do need to be, don't we? We need to be not just careless now, and, and not just, ah, it's just a Sunday school lesson. We've got to take this seriously, because if the introductory statement was right, that the core discipline for a godly, disciplined, spiritual life is a discipline of time, then we take it seriously. I assure you, it's not a burden. I assure you that the discipline of your time is such a joyful thing. In fact, it's the wastage of time that brings regret and misery as you look back. But when the Lord helps you to use your time to his glory and for the benefit of others and to do your responsibilities. Therein, my friends, is one of the great joys of the Christian. So how do we do it then? I'm going to have to rub this off then. Right, first of all, get your priorities right. Do you know what your priorities are even? Could you list them? What are the things that you, at your stage of life, in your relationship, what are the things that you absolutely must do. Make a list. You know, Christians of old, they were constantly writing. They didn't have all the help that you do. Resolution. You wrote them. We can... Comment or... 
that difficult? Get your priorities? You need to give me some sort of example. He's asked, how do you know if you're getting them right? If they're clear, if they're not clear, then of course you don't know, do you? If they're very general, if you say, well, my priority is to glorify God, you, you need to break that down a bit more, don't you? I need to work hard to support my family. First Timothy 5.8. Surely, not very difficult, is it, to find out whether you're doing that? I need to make sure I have one day of rest from work where I can worship God with his people. Did you have anything in mind? But, of course, the way you put it is a wrong disjunctive, isn't it? They want to study and serve the Lord. That's wrong, isn't it? Surely, if, if you're a student, you're serving the Lord in being a student, aren't you? Your first responsibility is to complete your studies. If you want to be a servant, then say, studies are not for me. Let me serve in the sense that you put it. But thank you, That's, uh, those are struggles that you students have, aren't they? So you've got to know your priorities, haven't you? And we tell you, you are in college to study. And you're going to witness by the way you do your studies, by the way, first of all. Thank you. We... Consider the various responsibilities that you're in. I mean, it could be, isn't it? You're a child, you have parents, you have, uh, you're grown up, but you have parents. You have responsibilities, then, don't you? You've got to make time to contact them, to see them. You've got to fit all those things in. I wish we could spend more time. Uh, you'll have to do this yourself. But that's what you've got to do. Okay, secondly... Don't let people waste your time.
I think we find it quite hard in Kenya, don't we? It's very hard to say to somebody, I'm awfully sorry, I don't have time now. Or, you know, I'm sorry, I've got something else to do now. Is that hard? So, the fact is, you're going to have to find a way out of that one. It's not right that somebody else comes in. Now, what if I'm preparing for Sunday and somebody wants to spend a couple of hours with me on a, on a Saturday? And if I do that, I shall not be well prepared for Sunday. Do I just give in to them? I have a priority, don't I? And you expect me to fulfill it, don't you? So I've got to find a way of saying, sorry, or excuse me, or whatever. I think this is a, a real problem in this country. I'm not sure if it's quite such a problem in Nairobi as in the rural area, but it is a problem where we value people and we rightly value people and relationships. But surely my relationship to God, although I don't see him, is far more important than any relationship to a person. I should be willing, if it's necessary, which I hope it isn't, to offend a person on earth so that I don't offend my Heavenly Father. Is that true, brethren? And so there are times one's got to make quite difficult decisions. And people seem to be offended or really are offended. Okay, so really then the third thing then is what I've said. Remember, you are God's servant. Because the servant is to do the will of his master. So, when you're at work, you have a boss, don't you? If your relative comes in and says, I want you to do this for me, you can't listen to them, can you? Because you have a master whom you're serving at work. Is that true, what I'm saying? There, you don't have much of a problem with saying no, do you? Because we simply have to do it. Well, is it not the same in our spiritual life? The Lord has told us what he wants us to do. And we say, Lord, I'm your servant. And when it means I can't do what other people want, that's the way it is. Okay, those are just three fairly simple things, but I think you might have others. Those seem to me to be very important. No, thank you very much. I hope you heard what he said. I don't know why I didn't think of that verse about time. Thank you. Number days. That's uh, Psalm 90, isn't it?
Pardon? Yeah, Psalm 90.12. In talking about the brevity of life, so teach us to number our days that we might incline our hearts to wisdom. I hope this is helpful. Say you, you look serious, which is good. Uh, and let's talk about it, brethren. Let's be people by God's grace who are disciplined. It's just another word for self-control, isn't it? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a very spiritual thing. It's terrible to see someone just throwing away days and weeks and, and years and you'll regret it. You, you, you've been made by God. You've been saved by the Lord. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given gifts. You've been given ministries to do. It will glorify God. Give yourself to the work God has given you so that you advance his kingdom and you glorify his name. Let's pray together. Lord, do forgive us for laziness, thoughtlessness, carelessness. Thank you that when you came and lived on earth and ministered to people, you gave yourself fully, even unto death. Pray that you'll help us to feel the privilege and the joy of serving you, of walking in the path of your commandments, of glorifying your name, of seeing your kingdom being extended. Please help every one of us, Lord, to discipline the use of our time and to speak and act and be involved in things which are profitable and leave behind. Those things, that, though they may be enjoyable, are not profitable. Please hear us. Bless us today as we join in worship and fellowship. May your name be glorified. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.